a State of the Yankee Union from yours truly. With the Subway Series Round 2 on deck, it's time to go all in on how this team will straighten up over the next six weeks before the hunt for Red October begins. I'll finally put some closure on the Deshaun Watson saga as he gets an 11-game suspension and a $5 million fine. And you won't believe who will play against in his first game back later this season. Leon Edwards shocks the UFC world with a huge upset over Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title. It's all coming up, but first, this message. What has happened to my good people? Thank you so much for passing by to... Listen to me wax poetic as I talk about anything and everything that's happening in the world of sports. If you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm on all available platforms. You can also go to the website at www.jreels.com for more information about yours truly, the podcast, archive shows, etc. All I want to do is increase the visibility of this podcast, so please throw me a few stars, write a review. It will go a long way into getting the word out. Even take a screenshot, send it to your friends, send it to me on social media. I'm more than happy, willing, able, and open to get your feedback on what it is that you enjoy most about the J Reels Podcast. So with that being said, let's hit it. The J Reels Podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J. Rills Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's feeling well, doing fantastic and excellent spirits as we continue to slog through this month. And even though we could start to see the fall and winter sports pop up on the horizon, we still have to get through the final nine days of the month of August. But that's okay because I'm here to satiate whatever what's going on in the sports universe. And thanks for stopping by as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host, J Reels. For my first timers, welcome aboard. And for those who've been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle, or even as early as this past Thursday, I welcome you guys and gals back. Not much to really get into. Obviously, all the baseball, which we'll touch on. But we had a huge upset in UFC the other night with Kamari Usman getting knocked out in the final few seconds of a match that he pretty much had in hand. And with Leon Edwards doing what he did, it was reminiscent to a couple of old-time boxing matches, which I could allude to, which has the same fever or the same flavor as I'll explain in detail later on. Also, what's happening in the NFL, we could put to bed everything that's happening with Deshaun Watson, thank goodness, because this was just ad nauseum. And then I have to read on Twitter a couple of other things, which was really appalling, but I'll touch on that later on and get to the nuts and bolts of a couple of injuries that have taken place in the NFL as well. But the baseball is going to be front and center, and this is going to be a weird one only because... As everybody knows, yours truly is not a Yankee fan, never have been, never will. And I understand that for the people who have been following me for however long it may be, 
and to start off the podcast talking about the Yankees more of a state of the union to really go in depth and massage the last couple of months and what to possibly expect from this team as we head into October. And listen, I would only hope that you guys and gals know that even when I talk about the Yankees, it's coming from an objective place. Not trying to throw cold water on them. Of course I do in the past on certain occasions or instances, but that doesn't mean that it's going to cloud my judgment or cloud my opinions because if I'm not being credible with what it is that I'm saying, whether the Yankees are doing phenomenal or if they're doing awful, I stay right down the middle. And I'm sure you could go back a couple of months ago when I'm talking about this Yankee team and how everybody was comparing it to the 98 Yankees. They got off into that 70-game start where they were 52-18. and And not that I was comparing them to that 98 squad, but considering what they'd done over those first 70 games, and even though we had to see the rest of the season play out and then get into October before we could even deem them comparable to that squad of 24 years ago, my thing was is that I wanted to say how great they have performed, how great they've been, and go back and check the receipts. But now as we sit here on August 22nd, where this team, since that time, they were 52-18, and 18, they have been 22-30. and 30. And more so, they have been 4-14 and 14 in their last 18, 10-20 and 20 over their last 30, And even though they are in complete control in the AL East, eight games ahead of Toronto and Tampa, you really have to wonder whether or not this team is going to be made for October. When we last spoke, we talked about how this Yankee team got a huge lift from Josh Donaldson in the extra innings as they beat the Rays to salvage that series. And maybe that was going to be the springboard for them to maybe get on a little bit of a roll. I'm not going to say that they're going to reel off eight straight or start winning series at a clip. But knowing that that was the relief that they needed, it was almost as if they got the piano off their backs. And with Toronto coming in, who have not been playing well, but with Garrett Cole, who was scheduled to pitch over the course of the weekend, and he did so on Saturday. And the Yankees, as we've seen here throughout this stretch, have been unable to hit. You lose 9-2 there on Thursday night. You get shut out again for the third time in a week on Friday night. Garrett Cole does not pitch well. The Yankee bats were not alive. They weren't awake. He did have the one bad inning, but he ends up losing that game. And then yesterday, thanks to Andrew Benintendi with his heroics late, hitting a two-run homer, you had a little bit of fireworks early on where Alec Manoa hit Aaron Judge on the bicep, or I should say on the tricep, excuse me, and then he's barking at Manoa, Garrett Cole comes out of the dugout, and then you had some tempers flare, cooler heads did prevail, but then the Yankees were able to win that game 4-2, to two, and you would think that they could exhale a little bit before the Subway Series Round 2 begins tonight, and I'll get to that in a little bit, where the Mets will invade the Bronx for a couple of nights with Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom starting over the course of these two games, weather permitting tonight because we may have some rain throughout the course of the day here in the Northeast. But with this Yankee squad, and I get it, they've been injured, and their rotation has taken a hit, 
And some of their acquisitions, other than Scott Aferos, who has pitched very well coming out of the bullpen, but Louis Trevino, who did get the win yesterday, but has not been anywhere close to what he was a couple of years ago. You also have Frankie Montas, who came over with him from Oakland, who has not pitched well here. I don't care how you cut it. He's already had a few starts under his belt in a Yankee uniform and has not done well. And then you had the event yesterday where Paul O'Neill had his jersey retired Monument Park, where that could be questionable to say the least, but I won't go down that road. But when Hal Steinbrenner was introduced, as well as Brian Cashman, you heard the booze cascade from the crowd. And that's a whole other story I could get into with the Yankee fan. And they have every right to be frustrated, every right to be angry, every right to feel as if this ship is sinking, considering the start that it had, considering that it looked like they were going to be on an epic run here to a World Series title. And for the Yankee fan to boo and have every right to do so, but it's this typical New York front-running type of fan. Not to say all of them are, but that goes across the board for pretty much every team here. Because when we see a team do well and succeed and perform, people are going to come out of the woodwork. As we saw a couple of years ago, even with the Knicks fan. And I don't want to just pick on them because same for the Islanders in their recent stretch other than this year, the Mets going back to 2015, and I've seen a lot more Met hats on the streets this year, going back to the beginning of the year, I'll give it that, but still, this town, as we all know, they like winners, and they want winners, and it's New York, we get that, but when times are lean, times are tough, and even though you have your Dynawool fans, whether you're a Ranger fan, New York Giant fan, even the Jet fan, but you know, once the Jets start to turn it around, and let's say they are playing for a Super Bowl, dare I say, you know that there's going to be a lot of fans jumping on that bandwagon and it'll just be typical for the fans here in this tri-state area. That's how it is. I know it may be unpopular. I know people can say, Jay Reels, you're off your rocker. You don't know what you're talking about. I live in this town. I know what it's like. Nick fans are afraid to even come out despite the fact that they, at least they had a successful year two seasons ago. But I digress. The fans can say what they want. They can boo. I can understand they are unhappy with their ball club. But now as we move forward over the course of this last stretch, and I get it you don't have Stanton, and I get it that you don't have Severino, you wonder about your pitching rotation, especially with Cole at the top, and you do have six weeks to mend this thing as you get to October because all that could be erased these last couple of months, and we still don't know what September is going to bring us if you're the Bombers. But they're going to win the division, They're going to host in the first round. They're not going to have home field, especially if they continue to play this way, but home field could be a bit of a challenge with the Astros having the best record in the American League as constituted at this very moment. And all you could do if you're a Yankee fan is look at your schedule. It's actually going to be competitive when you get into the month of September as you have a lot of division games left. You have two series with the Rays, the Red Sox, The Orioles, the Blue Jays, they're going to be littered throughout this final 45, 50 game stretch. And then you have your dregs, whether you're playing the Pirates for two games in your building. After this Subway Series, you are going on the West Coast to play the Athletics for four and then down to Anaheim for three. You also play the Twins, which come into Yankee Stadium in September and you always beat up on the Twins. Yes, you have to go to Milwaukee to 
play a competitive Brewer team, but they're not world beaters to say the least, as they're slipping in the NL Central. So the Yankees have it in front of them to where they do not have a tough schedule. Tricky, yes, but it's not unbearable. And all you could hope for is to start getting healthy at the right time. So if you're Garrett Cole, I get it that you've pitched into some bad luck here in a couple of occasions, but he's going to have to rise to the occasion when the money's on the line. As I said a couple weeks ago, they're paying him $36 million a year to be an ace on the staff. And when we look throughout baseball, you could actually probably pick four or five pitchers ahead of him right now with your life on the line to go ahead of Cole as far as the ranks, whether you're Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom, even Luis Castillo. I'm not talking about for a career. I'm not talking about for a certain stretch. I'm talking about for right this second. There are other starters that you would probably pick ahead of Garrett Cole. And when you're paying him that much to be maybe fifth best in the sport, it's not good enough. And let's see what Stanton, as he's had this Achilles tendonitis, who knows how much longer he's going to be out. And it shows how much they're going to need him in the lineup for more protection when it comes to Judge. Gleyber Torres, you don't know if he's going to be able to turn it around. He's had a season which has been up and down and very streaky. LeMahieu has actually played a lot better and has produced with his bat. Benintendi, who's done well with the glove, and now he contributed yesterday, as I mentioned, with the home run. So when we look at it overall, the Yankees are going to be fine. And their schedule, not that it's unforgiving, but it's not going to be easy. And all we could do is just wait for the division series in October, take a big inhale and then exhale, and away we go. I wish I could tell you more. I wish I could tell you that, yes, this team is destined for a World Series or this team is going to be bounced out in four games in a division series. That's the thing about this team. From one game to the next, although recently it's been terrible, but you just don't know what this team. They have not been consistent to say the least, you could put a prediction to think that, oh, the Yankees will be fine. They're just going through a little bit of a malaise or they've hit a speed bump here. No, this is more than a speed bump. So it's going to make you think which real Yankee team is going to stand up come October. And to me, it all starts with their pitching. Because their hitting, as we've seen in the past, has not come through in the clutch, especially in October. Yes, you've had some moments from certain players, LeMahieu, Stanton in the 2020 year. Judge hasn't been overly productive, so this is going to be a big October for him, especially with a gigantic payday at the very end of the season. So I wish I could be a little bit more and kind of look into my crystal ball to see how this Yankee team is going to perform and how they're going to play this out. But I have to say, at this very moment, it doesn't look like they're going to be primed for a deep October run. But as we all know, that could change in a heartbeat. We've seen teams get hot, and generally the team that's hot going into the postseason stays that way. But we all know the pitching's going to have to go above and beyond in order for them to get to where they want to go because Nestor Cortez, is he going to deliver in October the way he has pretty much the whole year? You're going to rely on Jameson Tyon, Frankie Montas, 
Clay Holmes is already on the IL with a back and he has not performed well here since the All-Star break. So we can't expect for him to all of a sudden reclaim his magic of the first half of the year once we get into games that are really going to matter, really going to count. Although Aroldis Chapman has done well, but do you expect him to come up in a pressure spot in a game two when you need a win down 0-1 in the series or put him in a scenario like game six in 2019 with Altuve? You're not going to trust him. So with the Subway Series on deck tonight, and I'm sure the Yankee fan are going to look at these two games and say, oh, we cannot get swept by the Mets this year. We lost the two games at City Field earlier this year, and now we have Scherzer and DeGrom. Stranger things could happen. Watch these two games be the ultimate turnaround for a team that has just been in an absolute funk offensively. Watch them light up Max Scherzer tonight. Same for Jacob DeGrom tomorrow. They win their two games. They split the season series. And then they go off to Oakland. And then they'll stub their toe and either split or lose three out of four. Could you imagine that? I could see that. That's a jaded Met fan in me, but still. So with this Yankee team, we shall wait and see. Do I think overall, are they going to come out of this? Going to a World Series? How could you say that right now? I can't. I need to see a little bit more, and thankfully they do have six weeks to rectify that in order for me to think that, yes, they can make it to a World Series. Obviously, they have the talent to do so, but they haven't been able to put it together, especially over this six-week, two-month stretch. And with the Mets real quick, I know they had a crazy series in Philadelphia. They lost that last game in Atlanta, which was a tough loss because on a 3-2 pitch, where you got to base it up the middle, pretty much, and Brandon Nimmo was playing at the warning track to where the runner scored from first. I believe Michael Harris had the hit, and Vaughn Grissom scored from first base pretty much on a single. I get it that Harris made it to second on the throw in to the plate, but the Mets lose 3-2. Braves were playing hot. They had won eight straight before losing the game the night before to Max Scherzer, and then... The Mets went to Philadelphia to where they won the first two games Friday night and then the Saturday first game of the doubleheader. They lose the nightcap 4-1. And then yesterday was a game where you had not one, but two pitchers making their major league debuts in a one, Jose Budo and Nate Fisher. Budo didn't get an out until he gave up three runs and gave up four in the first inning. Then you had Nate Fisher had to come in lefty from the bullpen to get three strong innings, didn't give up a run, pitched very well. And I understand they don't have a scouting report on these guys. So Buto, they were able to smack around the ballpark. And then Fisher, they were unable to solve. So with the Phillies claim to a 4-0 and 7-4 lead, Mark Canna ties the game at 7-up. Then with an 8-7 lead going into the ninth, Canna hits a two-run homer, followed by a solo shot by Brandon Nimmo, and they escape Philly with a 10-9 victory. They win three out of four. You could pretty much say goodbye to the Phils for the division because they needed to sweep, even though they do not face the Mets from now to the rest of the year. But if they were even thinking about winning a division, they had to, forget about minimum win three. They needed to win four. They ended up losing three out of four. And as we talked about, the Mets now come home. They have a scenario where they're going to play the Yankees here in the Bronx the next two days, followed by four against Colorado this weekend at home before the Dodgers come in next week. And that's going to be a series we'll talk about at that time. So the Mets, 
did what they had to do. They bounced back from losing throughout a four in Atlanta by winning the series in Philadelphia. So now let's see with a four-game lead and with the Braves finally losing to the Houston Astros as you had a little World Series rematch. So the Astros are able to salvage the final game and the Mets were able to get a game in the standings. So now they're four up against Atlanta. You also had a scenario where Marcelo Zuna, who got caught with a DUI a few days ago, was booed after striking out yesterday and was pulled from the game after two at-bats as he struck out twice. Who knows what Ozuna's future is going to be in Atlanta. They still have to pay him a couple more seasons at, I believe, 14 or $15 million, or maybe 16 because I think he signed four for 64 On top of the domestic violence issue that he had last year where he did not play over the final two-thirds of the season. So that's not looking good if you're... Ozuna and the Braves, as you're going to have to manage that down the stretch. But the rest of baseball, the Dodgers get a big piece back in their rotation. Dustin May, who came back from Tommy John surgery against the Marlins, five innings, struck out nine. Now, again, it's against the Marlins. So I get it's still Major League hitters. It's still a Major League team. But Dustin May, let's face it, had a nice start to parachute himself into and I'm sure maybe that was done by design and that's fine but Dustin May if he's going to look like that down the stretch that's going to be a huge piece for the Dodgers come October because as I mentioned before with Clayton Kershaw on the aisle with a bad back and not knowing how effective he's going to be down the stretch and into October Walker Buehler you know is out for the rest of this year you're going to have to rely on the Tony Gonsolins granted that he's had an all-star year but let me see this in October the Tyler Andersons of the world. We know Julio Urias is a very good pitcher. But now having Dustin May there gives them another weapon in their arsenal. So that could go a long way for the Dodgers, especially with what they're doing, running away with the NL West, running away with the best record in baseball. So that's one that we'll keep an eye on here as the Dodgers are looking to try to get back to a World Series as they did a couple of years ago in the bubble when they beat the Rays down in Texas. And when we take a look at these standings, wild card, I'll start there because the divisions, there's not really much to get into other than I get at the AL and NL Centrals. But the wild card right now, when we look at both the American League, and I'll start there, you have the three teams, although the Mariners are separated by percentage points, But Tampa, currently with the top spot, 65 and 55. Toronto with the same record. And then Seattle, 66 and 56. We know that that's going to be a rock fight to the end. The Twins are now two and a half back. The Orioles also two and a half back for the last wild card spot. Then you have the White Sox, three and a half. The Red Sox are six back. And I'm not even going to include the Red Sox here. The same in the National League as I will not include the San Francisco Giants. They're currently six back and a game under 500. Where the Braves... With their current stretch, remember, two weeks ago after leaving New York where they lost four out of five and they were three and a half games ahead over the second wildcard spot in the National League, well, they have a seven and a half game lead over the San Diego Padres, which currently has the second spot in the National League, Philadelphia a half game behind them, and then you have the Brewers a game and a half behind the Phillies, and I do not believe the Brewers and Phillies play again the rest of the year. I have to check the schedule for that. But the wild card is not going to be sexy, I think, as we get into September. 
it's going to be a scenario where you're going to have a few teams jostling to see who's going to host in a wild card to get that fourth spot, more so in the American League than the National, because we all know it's a foregone conclusion that the Braves, or even the Mets for that matter, if the Braves do catch them and win a division, whomever is going to come out of the NL East, as far as in second place, they're going to have the home field advantage when it comes to the wild card round. But as we know, we don't want to have that. You want to be the team that's going to be well-rested going into a division series. But the Brewers, let me take a look real quick. They, in their final stretch of games, do not have the Phillies on the schedule. So you don't have to worry about them having to go neck and neck or a big series in September to find out who's going to get that last wildcard spot. And then the same for the American League, although you have a few other teams. But again, the Twins aren't going to tickle your fancy The Orioles, they played well, and that's a team that we're going to have to look at here because I think maybe they could put some pressure on the Rays and Blue Jays as they're going to have a lot of games left with them down the stretch and have to take a look at their schedule. Seattle, who knows? With those three teams beating each other up, maybe they're going to be in the wild card by default. The White Sox, I know they could look at the AL Central as also a ticket to get into the postseason, and it'll be good for them because they'll be able to host a wild card round. Same for the Twins, but currently the Guardians are the team that is in first place, and the White Sox and Guardians played over the weekend to where they split the two games. Yesterday's game was postponed, so they'll make it up somewhere down the road. And then the Twins, who did not play well over the weekend, they lost two out of three to the Rangers. They do play tonight as a wraparound series, four games. So they're going to need to win that game to at least not only stay within the wild card, but also the division. And that's what you have. I'm not going to go to the National League Central because the Cardinals are in good shape there. Albert Pujols had two more home runs. He's now at 692. So you wonder, is there an outside shot not only for him to match or even surpass Alex Rodriguez as he's currently at 696 but is there an outside shot for him to get 700 as it is we know that Pujols is last year as he said at the beginning of the year was going to be it so let's say if he does get to 697 698 does he come back next year to try for 700 remains to be seen we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds but good for Pujols as he's Been still raking at the age of 41 and still hitting balls over the wall. But the Brewers are now currently five games back as the Cardinals have reeled off seven in a row. Remember, they beat the Brewers two out of three the following week. They pounded Colorado over the week, uh, in the middle of the week, last week. But now the Cardinals are setting themselves up for a good stretch here. Not only did they took care of the Rockies, but they also took care of the Diamondbacks over the weekend. And now they play the Cubs, who, as we all know, they've been a dead team walking. Getting hot at the right time. Cardinals look like they're getting ready to put the Brewers in their rearview mirror, and they only have four games left in September. Two games in St. Louis, two games in Milwaukee, so that's not enough for the Brewers. You figure if they had at least nine games left, they could at least have some wiggle room to at least do what they can against the team that's ahead of them. But right now, they are five games back, and it looks like the only division race that we're going to look at is going to be the AL Central and maybe the NL East. But that's what you have with baseball people. Other than that, as I turn my attention to the NFL, and yes, we could finally put to rest this Deshaun Watson deal. 
And for starters, I'll talk about the 11 games which people could say he wasn't criminally charged. How could you give this guy 11 games, let alone six, which was originally brought up by the arbiter, Sue Robinson. But now he's got 11 games. He also has to pay a $5 million fine. It's over and done with. 11 is fine. I understand a lot of people may want him to get the season in certain factions of the sports world or even in the for the general public. But he has 11. Fine. We don't have to talk about this anymore. One thing you don't like is that he's maintaining his innocence. He maybe shouldn't have met the media right after the announcement was made because in the press conference that he had, he did say that, oh, I'm maintaining my innocence. But then, if that's the case, what happened to the apology a week before the game against Jacksonville in your first preseason game where he said that he apologizes for the impact that he had on all the people that were involved throughout the course of the last year and a half. So he's contradicting himself right off the bat, which obviously you can't take seriously. And then a lot of people are thinking, should they bring in Jimmy G to be the quarterback there? Which, to me, although it sounds good, but what if Jimmy G... After 11 games, it's 8-3. and three. All of a sudden, you're going to push him aside and then bring in Deshaun Watson, ice cold, after not playing for literally 21, 22 months at that time? I mean, think about it. He hasn't played in almost two years. And by the time he gets to week 12, where he'll be able to suit up and play, you can't bring in Garoppolo and then just discard him, especially if they get off to a good start and they play well. You're going to have to ride it out with Garoppolo the rest of the year. So it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. And then Watson will take over wherever the Browns record may be at that time. So be it. And then talk about the irony of all ironies. And I don't know if the judge who took over this appeal case, when he looked at the schedule to think that, all right, 11 games, 12 games, whatever. But his first game back after the suspension is in Houston against the Texans. Now, you can't even make it up. And I see that some people are saying, oh, why are you bringing them back for that game? It's going to be magnified. It's going to be talked about ad nauseum, especially as we get closer. I think it's drama to the nth degree. Throw him right into the fire. Why not? Let him get it over with. He's going to have to face it regardless, whether it's in Houston at his former team or on the road, wherever he may play. He's going to get abuse regardless. Might as well get it out of the system because who knows when they're going to play Houston down the road. Whether they played him next year, the year after that, why not? Now, for coincidence, I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better. But actually, I'm in favor of him coming back that game. Why not? It just so happened to fall on the schedule. I understand that could be a little bit strange or peculiar. Oh, why is he coming back? On that date, that's his first game. They maybe could have given him 12 games or even, let's say, 10 games for that matter. But it doesn't matter because if they gave him 10, he'd still have to go to Houston anyway. If anything, they probably would have had it set up to where if he missed 12 games and then he would miss that game. But so be it. Can't do anything about it. So that's going to be one game a lot of people are going to circle as we get into the season, especially as we get closer to him returning on a football field. And then I saw a photo on Twitter, which was deplorable, about how there was a shirt that people were selling outside. It was bootlegged. It wasn't by the team or in the team store or anything like that. But there was a reference about massages and Watson, and it was in the Browns colors. 
And I understand it was just a joke, but that is as tasteless as it gets. I'm sure if you find it, you'll see it. I don't even want to bring it up because it's not even worth bringing it up. But before their preseason game the other night, or I guess last night against Philly, they were somebody, a vendor outside selling this t-shirt in reference to massages. And oh, it was just awful. So... A big injury for the Tampa Bay Bucks as Aaron Stinney is done for the season with a torn ACL and MCL. Now Brady, who's been, I'm not going to say AWOL, obviously he's been excused here, but kind of forgot that he had left the team due to personal reasons. I don't know if he wanted to be a part of the rigors of the dull and just ongoing preseason and training camp. Now training camp's already been taken care of but now just with the practices and just having to show up and of course he's Tom Brady so if he's got to take off a couple of weeks for personal reasons of course they're going to grant him that and with Brady expected to come back this week I'm sure that they're going to be all systems go come week one but not having Aaron Stinney we all know they had a couple of guys retire this year Ali Marpet is the one guy that comes to mind so we'll see how that's going to play with the offensive line as keeping Brady upright all year is going to be imperative if the Buccaneers are planning to make a Super Bowl run or I should say another Super Bowl run. So we'll see how that goes. And then Roquan Smith, I know that this has been a big deal in Chicago where the linebacker ends his hold in, not hold out, as he'll play out his final year of his rookie contract. I know he wanted more money. He felt as if he should get an extension, but he's going to play the sucker out, watch him have a killer year, get a ton of sacks, be in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year, and then the Bears, at that point, they're either going to have to pony up, and we know the Bears historically have been a very cheap franchise, but who knows if Roquan's going to have a big year. We'll have to wait and see about that. Besides the preseason games, which I'll not get into, nothing else to really delve into. I know Kayvon Thibodeau hurt his knee yesterday, and there was some fears that he may be out for an extended period of time, but in the postgame, he said that he's fine, he's good. So I'm sure the Giant fan could exhale a little bit that your pass rusher that you drafted this year looks like he'll be ready come opening day, but I'm sure with MRIs and examinations, we'll see if the severity of the injury isn't more than what it was on the field. And of course, with Thibodeau coming out saying that he's good, maybe that was just a false alarm. Lastly, I'm going to get into this MMA fight, which I did not watch, but I did go into the rabbit hole, and I was shocked. I know who Kamario Usman is, and I know he's a welterweight, but Leon Edwards, is this Mike Tyson Buster Douglas? Maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but I look at this more as Meldrick Taylor and Julio Cesar Chavez, only because if you think back to that fight many moons ago, how Meldrick Taylor was winning the entire fight. Also, Michael Moore and George Foreman, if you remember that one, where Foreman looked like he didn't do anything for 10 rounds and then he knocked out Michael Moore in the 11th round. Well, you had a case where Usman was well ahead of the scorecards and had looked at the fight overall as Usman being a big favorite. And then what happens? Leon Edwards with a head kick, which didn't really look that brutal, but we all know if you hit him in the right spot, that's it. Done, kaput. And that's what happened there the other night where Usman was down. You saw the reaction from Joe Rogan on the side and everybody was just in in a frenzy over what happened. And now we're going to have to wait and see if 
Leon Edwards becomes a household name if he hasn't become so already. But Usman, with literally seconds left in the final round, gets knocked out. Welterweight title goes to Edwards. And UFC is going to be looking at a rematch between these two at some point down the road. And Usman, I'm sure, he is chomping at the bit to get back at this guy. Because if he was that close to winning, and knowing that he gets knocked out with whatever it was. And I believe it was like the fourth latest knockout in UFC history. But for that to take place, I know Usman, he probably hasn't slept since then. And Edwards, I'm sure he's going to be riding high. Hopefully, unlike Buster Douglas of years ago, when he fought Evander Holyfield, what was it, eight months after the Tyson fight? Blew up, didn't train, was just a fat cat on his way to a big payday against Holyfield. And then Holyfield took care of him, and then we never heard from Buster Douglas again. So... We'll see what Edwards' trajectory is going to be from here until that fight because you know they're going to rematch. But right now, he is sitting pretty on the mountaintop there when it comes to the welterweight division. And what could you say? Sometimes that lucky punch, sometimes that lucky kick. And we saw that there Saturday night to where Usman went down and Edwards is shining bright. Guess what, people? That's all I got. I know, getting through these dog days, getting through the Sports Dead Zone Part 2, we're just about there. College football, believe it or not, starts a week from today, or 10 days from today, I should say. Excuse me, because I'm thinking it's already Thursday. Ha, not trying to rush time here. 10 days from now, we'll have the start of the college football weekend, and then we'll have the NFL two weeks from this coming Thursday. So a lot is on the horizon, but for right now, this is all I have, people. So I appreciate you stopping by. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to listen to what it is that I have to say about what goes on in the world of sports. And with your participation, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. Throw me a few stars, write a review. Again, I would greatly appreciate it, and your participation is not taken for granted. If you want to send a question, comment, or a suggestion, you could do so at the following. On TikTok, the J Reels Podcast. Instagram, J Reels, or the J Reels Podcast. Facebook, the J Reels Podcast fan page. Twitter, J Reels, one, just the number, or the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. Please send them my way. I'll be more than happy to follow up with you guys and gals. And then lastly, if you want to contribute to this endeavor, you could do so by going to www.patreon.com slash the J Reels Podcast. P is in Paul, A T is in Tom, R E O N is in Nancy. Whatever you want to put forth, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it. I'm trying to get more traction on this. I got to put up another post, which I will do so in the coming days. Just to kind of get that out there, for those who want to get exclusive content of this podcast, you would go to that site, put forth whatever you want to, because again, this endeavor, it's in the blood, it's in the DNA, it is what I love to talk about people, whether you do or do not know, this is what I not only love to do, but this is what I want to do, and have been doing for the past four years, but I'm talking long term, down the road, as this being just anything and everything that has to do with this podcast, so whether that means... My thoughts, opinions, analysis, critiques, praises on anything and everything that happens on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, directed, and full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Center, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. Until next time on the J Reels podcast, on the flip, baby. <laughs>